With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast. And we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school fo- football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, so please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan. It's something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar, and full contact, and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model, at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. On today's podcast, we have the running backs coach at Mississippi State. He joined us last time when he was at Washington State, and that's Eric Mealy. Coach, it's great to have you back here. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, Coach, as I said, we we had you on before, and we kind of handled your background and that kind of stuff, so we won't rehash that. We will link to that podcast for our listeners so they have it in the show notes, and they can go back and listen to that one as well. But what we've done for this one and what we've been doing kind of as things have grinded to the halt here, a lot of our listeners have been submitting questions. So we do have quite a few on running back play, especially as it's related to the air raid. Uh, Some of these guys know your background in special teams, so a few special teams questions for you. And then it appears that maybe there's a couple guys you know personally who have some questions in here too, and and we'll get to those as well. Yeah, it sounds good. And then the old podcast is good if you need to know where to go in Key West and – map out Coach Leach's Island tour. So that's, that's always a, a must-listen, you know. 
Absolutely. That was a, a great conversation and some good information there. So yeah, we'll definitely have that for our listeners. So our, our first question, we'll just focus on some general running back things. So a Scoop Reed is a coach out there who, I'll tell you what, I've never met Scoop Reed, but I think this is about the sixth podcast now that he's asked a few questions on. This guy is using this time to learn. So I've been happy that he's been submitting questions. I'm sure he's filling up a notebook right now. But Scoop wants to know, how much can a running back catching ability improve? I guess so in other words, when you get a guy who maybe comes in and, and he's been the guy maybe carrying the ball in high school 20, 30 times a game and now comes into an air raid system, what's what's the room for improvement and how much do you usually see those guys improve in catching the football? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question because even in recruiting, sometimes it's hard to, to gauge how good a guy's hands are because you don't see him catch a lot of balls in high school. And like you said, you know, they kind of handed a bunch to those guys and you're hoping that he doesn't have just two bricks out there and kind of pinging off his chest type of deal. But look for a guy that's, that's a good athlete and played other sports like potentially. And it, I think it is something you can develop. I mean, it's a skill you can develop. I mean, you don't want to be able to have a guy that fights the ball and that type of thing, but it, you can still train him to have good hands, to be able to catch the ball properly. So we have a pre-practice deal with the tennis ball machines, and they're out there shooting balls. They're catching one hand and two hands. The jugs is one we use again, uh, same thing, kind of pre-practice deal. But the drill work throughout our, our practice plan, throw, throw a ton of balls to the backs, obviously, and they're catching balls there, and then post-practice with the quarterbacks. So there's really, you know, you go through a practice and you go through two, three days, you're dropping balls and you're doing five push-ups on a drop. I mean, the guy's he's going to be he's going to be a really good receiver or he's going to be really jacked up one or the other. So it usually works out pretty good. But yeah, he he can improve for sure. I mean, the guy who has a natural uh, hands is better, but it's not really uh, that that big of an issue. This one's just a, a follow-up for me. You know, as as you've looked at this and done this over the years, are there catches that are a little bit more difficult for these guys to work on, whether that's, you know, catches like like an out route or something, you know, a flat route out of the backfield where they got to get their head around, or is it stuff up the sideline that, you know, maybe the longer ball that they're not used to? Anything you've seen as far as stuff that maybe you have to work a little bit more on as you install the air raid? Yeah, some of that would be the down-the-field shots, you know, like on a wheel, being able to catch the ball over your outside shoulder, that type of thing, which is – which is even difficult for some receivers that haven't done that as much, you know, coming out of high school. But the biggest thing is keeping those hands away from their body. You know, that's, that's a, a big deal. And, the, and they, you know, they catch that front half of the football and keep those hands out in front of them. Their eyes kind of focused in on that ball. They'll have, you know, as much opportunity as they can to catch the thing all the way through. Yeah, routes, you know, even, even just a swing route at the backfield where the guy kind of turns up field, the quarterback scrambles, something like that, where it's, again, just a further – distance from the QB that, that's when it becomes a little more of an issue for a guy that's not as natural um, again just got to get those hands out in front of them and just kind of focus in on it so you know you guys are obviously a, a catch heavy with your running backs I think your guy was either I think he was the second guy the last year at Washington State in reception so they're going to get a lot of footballs you know as same as when you talk to receiver coaches right they're they're looking at a lot of things like how do we preserve legs? So for them working, you know, just the, the top of a, a route or, you know, break point into a catch, stuff like that. It, do you look at any kind of drills that, I guess, shorten the length of the drill, but still keep the focus on the catch and the different angles? Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, we'll go through like our, our quick game and routes on air drill. We're kind of running through, you know, three-step drop and then, and then five-step drop pass plays. 
so we get a bunch of catches in there. But when I'm working with just them, sometimes it's just stationary. Honestly, I'll just kind of fire balls at them. And, you know, students just the same thing. You know, just working on catching uh, from different angles and uh, you know, bad balls, over the shoulder balls. Um, you know, their arms fully extended, that type of thing. But yeah, as much as you can stay on their legs is good. You know, one thing we do at practice too. You know, Coach Leach is always never uh, we don't really condition at practice. There's not like a bunch of wind sprints at the end of practice. We're running from drill to you know to drill, so it's full speed in between the whistles, and they get their work in that way. So you definitely still want to be conscious of their legs and make sure we're not overtaxing those guys. The next question from Coach Reed was just in regard to you know recruiting, right? You mentioned looking at other sports to see kind of skills guys have. Have you ever recruited a, a high school receiver with plans to convert him to a running back? Yeah, kind of quasi, you know, kind of do it, do it everything type of guy, an athlete guy. Yeah, those are those guys are attractive for sure. I mean, when you watch them on film, if they play, you know, both sides of the ball and they play some receiver and they're out there and wind up in receiver positions, you know, as long as that guy's frame can hold some weight, just in, in regards to pass protection, he's going to have to do some of that, you know, in our offense and really. It's probably not as much as somebody would think. Hey, you know, air raid, you got to pass block all the time. You don't. I mean, uh, you know, Coach Miller and I spend a lot of our game plan, you know, time just talking about how we're going to get the back out and pass routes. You know, we don't want them in there blocking people if we can prevent it. If we know who's blitzing, we know their top blitzes, their favorite guy, favorite blitzers, that type of thing. So, you know, he's still got to be able to do it, though, when, when called upon. And he's going to be able to run in short yards and situations, that type of thing. So as long as there's enough on that frame to kind of, you know, we don't want a real long, lanky guy. But, uh, you know, we had a guy, you know, I guess last year we brought a guy in that was, you know, a 5'11", 180-pound guy in high school that could probably play a receiver. But, he, you know, his shoulders were broad enough, and, you know, right now he's probably about 200 pounds. So he's probably prototypical, you know, kind of running back size at this point. So, yeah, it's, it's something, uh, something you would definitely not rule out for sure. What is your big three of running back play? Yeah, good question. I guess one thing is just not being tackled one for one. I mean, we kind of harp on that uh, quite a bit. Making one guy miss or being able to break a tackle and, and finishing runs, finishing downfield on people, that type of thing. So drill a lot of that in practice, you know, just kind of drills that make a lot of sense that they use in games, you know, not a bunch of, you know, not a bunch of dance moves out there, but more efficient with their feet and, and get really good at being able to, you know, stem a guy or whatever their, whatever their best you know, quality is as a running back, we're going to try and maximize that as best we can. So making somebody miss and then avoiding negative plays, always falling forward. And that kind of ties into, you know, running behind your pads, that type of thing. A guy with a good lean, and we don't want to, we don't want to get dropped in the backfield for a loss of yards, that type of thing. If we can minimize the negative yards plays of a bad run, bad run goes for two or three yards and a good one goes for 10, you know, over the course of a game and the amount of reps, those, those numbers will, will be really efficient you know, running the ball that way. So always falling forward and, and, and running behind those pads, like I said. And then the last one, probably just being pass protection, being willing, a willing pass protector. And that, that's always where it starts. And, again, in high school, you don't see as much pass protection from the back. So when you get to college, that's usually like the last piece that, that a guy, you know, gets and is able to, you know, execute at, at a high level at. So as long as he's courageous and he's willing to stick his face in there, we, we can work with that. So, you know, we want that guy, you know, beating the guy into the line of scrimmage and, you know, being the aggressor or being the attacker. But if they can do that, then, then we're in business. So pass protection and, you know, running behind the pads, falling forward, and, and then obviously being able to break a tackle or make somebody miss are kind of the big three we're looking for. So, Coach, moving on, kind of a more of a question about practice. Coach Adam Wilson 
wanted to know just about, I guess, the differences in coaching the running back in the air raid practice plan, especially in that so much hinges on the passing game. How do things look different for him maybe than more of a, a traditional running back or traditional, I don't know what's traditional anymore because there's so many things, but I guess that the typical thing you see in, in how people structure it. Yeah, we have to, we have to steal time for individual, you know, practice for, for the RBs. That's, that's definitely the, probably the biggest, you know, the biggest thing we have to kind of get figured out, you know, going into a practice plan, you know, during the pre-practice, you know, we have a period there where we'll have, you know, our blitz pickup and, and run checks and, you know, plays that are kind of tweaks for that week. That's a good time for us to work on, you know, footwork and, you know, technique and pass protection, those types of things. And again, to practice, you know, Pat and goes to drill, you know, pretty heavy for quarterbacks and receivers. And obviously our guys are going to have to catch some balls down the field over the shoulder, that type of thing. But I will steal a bunch of time out of that drill day to day to get some, uh, some RB work in. So one day we'll, we won't go there at all. And we'll just work pass protection, uh, kind of a progression with, you know, with some sleds and some bag work, that type of thing. And then another day we'll actually get, we'll do inside run up the old line. We'll get it in versus the defense one day, and then the old line us will get together into it versus scouts one day too. So we'll kind of cut that period out. Even our quick game period, which is which is three step drop, you know, we're in some of those plays and we're, and we're working some of those routes that were kind of a primary read. And then when we're not, we kind of just disappear from the drill there for the, about half that period. And then boom, we're out there. We're, we're working footwork. We're working, you know, same thing, you know, pass routes, you know, that type of stuff. So we're, we're stealing our indie work, but. Those are a couple of things probably early on in practice. There's also a mesh period with the quarterbacks. We'll get that while the receivers and DBs are working a drill, O-line, D-line's working a drill, and we just get about three or four minutes where we get the, you know, work those handoff mesh points and work any any kind of nuance, you know, screen work, that type of stuff with the QBs. And then, you know, I'm kind of heavy on post-practice too. We'll have a ball security circuit for all of our ball carriers. There's kind of three drills we go through, three stations there. So there's a lot of us incorporated for all of them. I mean, I'll say, like I said, all the ball carriers are going to have a lot of overlap in the drills that we do, but really just kind of stealing some indie time here and there where you can. I had a couple more questions on just coaching the running backs. And Ty Harden, he's a high school coach, Houston High School, I believe is the name of it, wanted to know when you have one of those freshman phenoms come in, a guy who you think is going to help you right away, is there anything – you're looking to do to maybe acclimate him quicker to an air raid type of offense if he hasn't come from that. Yes, we had, you know, he had Max Borgie two years ago and played a, plays a true freshman for us. You know, luckily we had a good veteran back, James Williams, who, who was kind of the incumbent guy coming in. But you could see just through some of the practices that Max was going to be able to make an impact for us. And then I'd say the you know, biggest thing is understanding the playbook and the plays and and then what, what we're wanting him to do in those plays, you know, what, what we're expecting out of, uh, you know, his role in the offense. And when you have an older guy, you know, even if it's going to get overtaken at some point, it's nice for that guy to help bridge that gap. You know, you, you put him in situations for him to be successful. You know, you don't just throw him out there, you know, game on the line, you know, first snap, first game of, of, of the year, unless you feel like he went through practice and camp and he's just your absolute best guy, that type of thing. So I think you bring him along, you kind of set him up for success and, uh, as long as he's got all the physical tools to, to play right away and he knows what he's doing, then there's nothing wrong with it for sure. One of the last, like I said, one of the last pieces is probably that pass pro and then situational, situational stuff for those young guys too is something you got to maybe spend a little more time on, you know, as well, you know, understand what the down and distance is, how many yards we need in this scenario. You know, it'd be great to break a long run on a touchdown, you know, from midfield on fourth and one, but let's make sure we get that first down, you know, first, you know, most importantly, but so little, little things like that, but, 
yeah, that's it's exciting to have a guy like that in your room for sure. How about on on the transition of of something like this? You know, when you you have a guy who maybe is getting a lot of touches and you know a different offense in a different way, now transitioning to him to you know the air raid type of offense. You know, a talented guy who maybe has been you know, your downhill running back or whatever you might call it now being the guy who's going to get some run, but is also going to be, have to become a threat in the passing game. What's the transition plan for something like that now, as you approach, you know, being at Mississippi state for year one? Yeah, I know we, we got a guy that's, that's led the SEC in rushing last year, you know, so he was, you know, he was the first phone call I made when I got the job and, you know, just being, being honest with Kyle and I just told him, Hey, listen, man, we, we're not going to lead the SEC in rushing this year, but you're probably going to lead the SEC in all-purpose yards. And that's something that the NFL, you know, obviously is starting to transition to a little bit. You see these air raid teams and concepts, coaches, all kind of spread out now. you got to do all three. got to be able to catch the ball. you got to be able to pass pro, and obviously he can run it. So, yeah, you know, big thing is understanding why we do what we do, you know, why our offense works and how it, how it can help those guys. And like I said, it's going to showcase all their abilities. But the biggest thing is, we're going to run the light boxes. We're not going to run you into a phone booth and bang your head against the, you know, five defensive linemen, that type of thing. And then when you're out in space, it's going to be a one-on-one and it's up to you to make that guy miss or break that tackle and go make a play. So it's, you know, we get a chance to talk to a running back about it. They get pretty excited and, and, and it's something that, that they want to do. Now they're going to stay healthier too, just taking a little bit less shots, you know, in those piles, that type of thing. And usually works out, uh, usually works out pretty well for us. Well, I, I would think, you know, becomes very appealing to be able to showcase abilities that you can be a three down back at the next level too I, I would think that has to be very appealing right exactly i mean it used to be you know, the old days too right they had a short yardage guy then they had a guy that come on the field on third downs and just like you said nowadays you know we, we're going to train you how to be a guy that can be out there for all three downs you know so if you're the best player and, and you're going to play you know you're going to play all three downs out there and you know, we're going to give you those, those drills and, and then showcase your skills for, for the next level to to see that and then go out there and just and just perform and just execute the plays and, uh, you know, have fun with it and do what you do. So sticking just with, uh, you know, the, the running backs and the passing game, had a question from Eddie Titus, who's from uh, Pennsylvania, and wanted to know in, in your offense, how many routes do the running backs need to know and do they play any role in setting the pass protection? So they work they work hand in hand with the O line. You know, the O line and you know, the O line is really the one that's calling all the protections. Obviously, like we'll we'll meet we'll meet with the O line for about fifteen minutes on like on a on a game plan day. We introduce it just to make sure that we're all on the same page, speaking the same language, that type of thing. You know, what are what are kind of uh, we're looking for that week so we all know what we're doing. And we communicate. You know, running backs have to communicate to the O line and the O line does you know, vice versa. So there's, there's a good bit of that, but really he knows his job and the O-line calls it. And then he knows what he does from there and he executes. So that's, that's really the biggest piece as far as the communication goes. The second part was, say it again for me there, Keith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so a bunch of it is, it is it's just a lot of stuff uh, out in the flat. I mean, the, there's, the there's a bunch of swings and uh, kind of full speed swings or a shoot route. Um, you know, some stuff that's fast motion, good bit of that. And then and probably just, you know, their typical, you know, running back tree from there, you know, running option routes, running angle routes, uh, you know, wheels, all that type of stuff. And then, you know, the empty package is something that we've, you know, depending on year to year, 
we use and that running backs out there. So now you're talking, the whole menu is kind of available to them. They'll run a mesh route. You know, they'll run, uh, you know, they'll run an option in the middle of the field. They'll run a hook route. They'll run a, they'll run a seam, you know, so they'll run, they'll run the whole gamut. The better they are at running routes and the more, the more opportunities they'll have on the field to do it. You know? Coach Matheson from Vancouver, Washington, wanted to know if you could speak to the route adjustments in six as it relates to two by two and three by one sets with standard two versus one high safety looks and corner cushion looser tight. So typical looks that you see, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So in, in a two by two look, just starting there, you know, guys are running down kind of those landmarks that are pretty much aligned up on, you know, so, you know, quarterback looks out and sees press coverage, you know, on, a, on an outside receiver, he may hang on that guy and, and, and look to uh, win over the top with him. But obviously that's when the safeties come to play, whether they're too high and one high as far as, uh, you know, is that guy can get over the top of that route or not. But um, the inside guys are running down the hash marks. And when everybody gets to 10 yards on the inside, when those guys get to 10 yards, they got to make a decision. Are they going to go over the top or are they going to find a hole in the defense at that point? So if they find a hole, they're going to go ahead and sit in the hole. If not, they're, they're going to keep blowing the top off the coverage there. They're going to try and get over the top of uh, who are defending them. And then the outside guys will actually fall out of their routes as well. Uh, a little bit deeper down the field uh, based on the coverage. So it's not as much – we don't talk a ton of coverage. We, we talk more of, you know, where's the grass, where's the space, and then, you know, if the guy falls out over the top of you, that's when the guy falls out of your route. You know, if the guy just keeps blowing over, you know, a, a safety, then it's in the cover one, goes over the top of the X receiver. All of a sudden it's, it's a cover two look now where they roll the coverage to him. Okay, fall out of your route. So it's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of uh, on the run, you know, seeing what the, what the defense is giving them type of thing. So – you know, the back in the two-by-two two set, he's going to run an option route in the middle of the field. And this way, you know, you have all the clear outs in the four routes and kind of evenly spaced down the field, and he gets to just work the hole in between the hashes versus the linebacker, which, which is a great deal for us. You know, that's one you'll see, like, uh, Patriots will run that, and that's, that's another throw, even like a slot guy. It could be out of an empty formation, like uh, Edelman goes out there and just, and just works versus somebody, that type of thing. About a three-by-one. Same landmarks. So number three receiver on the inside is going to get to the opposite hash mark. And they're still stopping at the same points. We're running. And uh, the back is going to release to the, uh, release to the flat um, on the side of all the three vertical routes are. So the coverage blows out over the top, tons of space for the back out in the flat. And he's got pass protection, so he'll get out there a little bit late, but he usually times up just about right for him to be kind of wide open, too. And he's out there, you know, he gets it. We like that matchup, too. So... Same landmarks there, but if there's one high safety, just as a rule of thumb, and especially for, uh, I think in high school, you know, tell those inside guys to run verticals. You know, so they put the stress on the safety that way. The outside guys can drop their routes out. Just as a base kind of install. And then versus uh, two high safeties, just the opposite. Tell the outside guys to run the verticals, the inside guys to curl it up. And that way I think you'll have multiple options of guys being open. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Kind of flip over here to special teams for a bit. Adam Wilson from Georgia wanted to know your philosophy on building a special teams culture. Yes, that's that's always huge. That's a big deal. Scheme is great, but there's got to be the buy-in from those guys. You know, so I think it's, uh, you know, getting them to play for each other and understanding how important those special teams plays are and give them something to hang on to. So, Obviously, to get a little bit of success early is always helpful. And you know, the guys kind of do stuff to go out there on, on a, you know, a return team or go out there and try and get a block, that type of thing. But we had a deal 
I guess, what, 2016. And we scored, I think we scored five touchdowns that year. And it was, uh, you know, kind of like a special forces team. Everybody was kind of a different unit. And guys were fired up to go up there and make a play. But it really just kind of trying to tie into that, you know, the military, like the brotherhood and, the, you know, the, the camaraderie, that type of thing. So I, I think you got to find something that, that brings them all together. And then obviously, you know, show them all those, you know, there's all kinds of staff out there on special teams about, you know, if you, if you block a punt, it's an 80-plus percent chance of winning the game. All those types of things that make them realize how important that you know, that other side of the other side of it is, you know. So, and, and tell them the running backs too, for that matter. Tie that in. Is get play on special teams. You know, there's not many guys, you know, going to the NFL unless you're a first round draft pick. It's not going to be on a special team. So, got to pitch in, got to help each other out, and that's going to help you get the win at the end of the day. You also want to know about tips on a productive kick return unit. I mean, it's uh, obviously kick. Kick, kickoff, kick return, endangered species right now, as we've seen these alternative leagues kind of take it out of it or, or alter it. But I, th- I still think it's a beautiful play. So tips on a productive KOR unit. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, go back and look at the numbers. Our guy, Matt Brock, you know, even last year and going forward, we want to return all the, any ball we can, man. It's an opportunity for us on offense on that unit. And biggest tip there is, I mean, you got to block, block, and block some more. I mean, that's, that's a long play. It's a long play for uh, the kick return team, but you know, really the angles and, and the leverage you have on guys for those blocks and, and being able to understand where is that guy going to go? Where's the return going? And then where am I going to go to make sure this guy doesn't get there? You know, to get a fight, you know, fight pressure on pressure, take good angles, make sure you're, you're making the guy run around you and not, you know, cross your face, just cardinal sin rules, you know, on, on kick return unit, you know, that type of thing. But it's a, you know, it's a long play. It's a long play, so you just got to make sure you have your great technique and, and you finish. You know, until you know, until that guy is uh, you know running to the end zone on the other side of the field. But I mean, kickoff too. Kickoff too. Same thing. I mean, just hair on fire or something. Now with the, with these new rules, it's you know, like you said. I mean, some of these some of the you know, the, uh, the teams uh, across the country. I mean, just fair catches, and we're talking 10, 15, 20 returns in a season, which is that's crazy. You know, it used to be used to be four or five per game type of thing. And the kickers are getting better. I'll say that too. Kickers can, can put balls up in the air and they can, they can kick touchbacks. So the XFL obviously rolled out their new deal, which was that was, that was interesting to see too. What did you think of that? I, I'm still, you know, I'm disappointed they ended because, of course, there's no sports on TV right now. But I, I did think there were some interesting things there. That being one, I didn't know really how I felt about it. I mean, I I still love the traditional play, but you know, the thing I did probably think of as an idea is I see I think too many JV level and freshman level now they're they're allowed to opt out of kicking if both both coaches don't agree but to me something like this if if you still wanted to think about how you might develop kids to play this full play later I see that as something that's not maybe a maybe not a bad developmental tool but I don't know if I'd go to it full time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how you draw up any type of scheme whatsoever on that play. You know, it's just kind of it's, it's man-on-man blocking right there at the point of attack. And, you know, the, I think, the, you know, then the return is just trying to find a crease there. We can kind of hit the thing. So, I don't know. I mean, if you're trying to keep it, I mean, yeah, you can keep the play in that way. But I'm kind of with you that it's not – I'm a little more fan of the traditional kickoff return. Like, if you don't want to have the kickoff return, don't have it. You know, that's just what it's in. They keep, they keep trying to phase it out every every year. But – I guess it's one way to keep the play, but yeah, to me, it's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of schematics involved there. And it's just kind of a, you know, they, I think the return one, right. And how many weeks that thing went off, but I don't know. I'm kind of mixed doing that. 
Yeah. I, I think I saw one time a trap scheme or something like that. But yeah, very, very limited in what you can do as far as scheming. Mm-hmm. So Trevor Suffall, he's a coach uh, from um, Bixby High School in Oklahoma. Wanted to know your advice for a coach who is, is new to coaching the running backs position. Yeah, good question. Uh, you know, it's just basically, I would say this, you know, biggest thing is drill what you're going to, your running backs are going to do in a game. You know, I think a lot of times guys, guys get pretty excited and then they want to do a bunch of different stuff. I think the biggest thing is just being efficient with the time that you have and really preparing them for what they would do in a game. So just for example, I mean, you don't need a drill with, you know, 15 cones set up and a guy, you know, running in circles and doing cartwheels and, you know, hopping over cones and all that kind of stuff. You know, just let's go ahead and set up a couple of cones and make sure the guy's, you know, running with uh, with a good pad level and he's on the balls of his feet and, and his knees, he's picking his knees up and, you know, a sharp cut and maybe and he's finishing on coach on the bag and he's, you know, if he's a spin guy, it's a spin on contact and we'll, we'll get really good at that move. Or if he's just, a, you know, a jump cut guy and that's kind of his best move, let's really hone that move and make him really good at that or stiff arm or whatever it may be. But I think it's more that they're efficient and really just honing in what the best skills that, that running back has and, and then, you know, getting really good at that. And, and they're, not, you know, they're not playing too much outside of what, they, uh, of what their skill set is. You know, if a guy's a downhill guy, then coach him up to get the ball and, and uh, you know, limited amount of moves and, and, and get his pads down and get rolling. So whatever, whatever kind of skill set they had, just I kind of tailor it to them and don't try and do too much. Just, just get really efficient in what, the, what they can do in, in, within the confines of the offense. I think you'd probably agree with this that you know if, you, if you're running a drill, you you should be able to take video of that drill and then right after it put a, an example of where that skill or technique is being applied in the game. Absolutely, no, that's a hundred percent, and that's a good way to even describe it. Seeing the question you just asked, you know, it's if it doesn't fit into the course of that sixty minutes on game day, then you probably don't want to be practicing that at all. You know, so it's. Yeah, practice clip and then a game clip and, and uh, you're able to coach the guy in the points that, that, you know, make it a better result. You know, we do one like a grab grass drill where the guy, you know, a lot of guys will kind of touch the cone in the ground, but I'm making sure that these guys are literally almost falling down and putting their hand down on the ground. I got some good clips from the last couple of years of guys literally, you know, getting tripped up and putting their hand on the ground and saving themselves, picking themselves up and then taking off for a touchdown. So yeah, it's, a, it's a drill you got to practice like you would in the game. It's not – you know, bend down on your knees and touch the, touch the ground. It's, it's, I'm falling down and I, I got to, you know, hold myself up like in a tripod and then, and kind of, you know, accelerate out of it. So, um, yeah, just be, be efficient with those drills. So coach, imagining this next guy, you, you probably know he's the offensive analyst at the university of Nevada, Brett Bartolone and, and his question, this is the last question of the day too. So how many calf raises have you knocked out today? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a fantastic question from Brett. I mean, it's uh, Brett's a workout warrior himself. You know, to me, it's you know, you, you hit over forty. You know, I got I got four daughters at home. It's uh, I had a limited amount of time in the gym, so it's really specific. I, I'm a big calf guy, big biceps and triceps, and uh, you know, some chest here or there. But that's that's about it. And I got the dad bod rocking. Uh, <laughs> looks like I still throw some weight around, but. Not very functional, but very, very uh, aesthetically pleasing on the beach for an old guy like me. There you go. That's what's important, right? Yep. (laughs) Uh, Well, Coach, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time here. And, you know, certainly best of luck to you and the Bulldogs as you get going in uh, 2020. As I mentioned, I have a daughter who's going to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. So definitely going to be watching you guys.
I love it. Hail State. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, Check it out, all of our our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. 